Thank you all so very much. Chris and the gang twice today. So that's nice. And you've seen nothing yet. He's going to work with me and Rusty. <laughs> Boy, that'll, that'll pack the house, won't it? Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate all y'all do a great job. If you didn't hear, Greg said he's laying out that Sunday. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I appreciate the music. Music's been great all day today. Appreciate the choir. Appreciate the congregation. I appreciate the special music. God's mighty good to us. I'm just glad he put a song in our hearts, aren't you? I'm thankful for that. We're in the Old Testament Minor Prophet. We're looking at Zechariah tonight. Zechariah. Chapter number 11, it is a bit of lengthy reading. It's all 17 verses. There's really just nowhere to quit in our reading. There's probably plenty of places to quit in our preaching, and so we'll go as the Lord allows us. But um, the Lord just keeps loading our wagon as we study through this. I, I really appreciate these minor prophets, the word he has for us this night. I have titled this sermon, 30 Pieces of Silver, and you'll see that in the text as we read. I'm not very crafty when it comes to titles. I usually just find it right there in the text. But you'll find it's the theme of this message. And I began reading in verse number 1 of chapter 11. If you found your place and you're able, we would invite you to stand with your copy of the Scriptures open. And we'll honor and reverence the reading of God's holy and Aaron infallible inspired word together. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 1, Open thy doors, O Lebanon that the fire may devour thy cedars. How fir tree, for the cedar is fallen, because of the mighty are spoiled. How, O ye oaks of Bashan, for the forest of the vintage has come down. There is the voice of the howling of the shepherds, There is for their glory is spoiled, and the voice of the roaring of young lions, for the pride of Jordan is spoiled. Thus saith the Lord my God, feed the flock of the slaughter, whose possessors slay them and hold themselves not guilty, and they sell them, saying, Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich, and their own shepherds pity them not. For I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. But lo, I will deliver the men every one into his neighbor's hand and into the hand of his king. And they shall smite the land, and out of the hand I will not deliver them. And I will feed the flock of slaughter, even you, O poor of the flock. And I took unto me two staves, the one called beauty, the other I called bands, and I fed the flock. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month, and my soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. And then said I, I will not feed you that dieth, let it die. And that which is to be cut off, let it be cut off. And let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder, that I might break my covenant, which I have made with all the people. And it was broken in that day. And so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And I said unto them, If you think good, give me my price. If not, forbear. And they weighed for me my price, thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was prized at of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver, cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. And I cut asunder mine other staff, even bonds or bands. And I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. And the Lord said unto me, Take thee yet... Take unto thee yet the instruments of a foolish shepherd. 
For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land, which shall not visit those that be cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that it is broken, nor feed that which standeth still. But he shall eat the flesh of the fat, and tear their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm, and upon his right eye, his arm shall be clean dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. Father, thank you again for the privilege and honor to stand behind the sacred desk and proclaim the truths of the Word of God. Help me tonight to decrease and you increase. Give us words, give us wisdom from you. God, help us to honor you with our assignment, and may your word, your will, draw us unto yourself. Do that which is pleasing to you tonight. Save those who are lost, challenge and convict us who are saved, and we give you the glory, for you alone are worthy. And we ask all of it in Jesus' strong name, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I know it's a lengthy portion of the text, but the sermon title, as I said, 30 pieces of silver, suggests the theme of our message tonight. I, I really don't think that I can mention that phrase without our minds racing to the night of betrayal of the Son of God by Judas Iscariot. The writer spells out for us the results in this text of rejecting the good shepherd or Israel's Messiah. This chapter is really an abrupt change from the previous chapter which referred to the future restoration of the nation of Israel. But tonight's text deals with Israel's present as well as the impending judgment of God for their apathy and the rejection of Christ and His Holy Word. I know these messages from these minor prophets are hard, they're abrasive, they're strong, but yet I would tell you they're more relevant than anything we could ever go through. Because our nation is a mirror image of what the nation of Israel were doing. Their apathy, our apathy. Their rejection, we have rejected the Word and the will of holy God. And this text really is a lamentation that portrays the coming devastation to the nation because of her unfaithfulness to God and her unbelief in the arrival of the good and the true shepherd. I'm referring to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Israel would not only reject the Lord's Christ as their long-awaited for King, Messiah, and Savior. But here in our text tonight, we see them also rejecting even the coming promises of the Lord. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But earlier before that, we find them rejecting the promises of the coming Messiah. That's what we see. And so my question is, for what? I still don't get it. I still don't understand it. Whatever generation, I don't understand why that people would reject the Savior of the world. I mean, for what? What does this world have to offer in comparison to Christ? What can this world offer you that is better than the sweet offer of God's salvation, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life in Christ Jesus? I don't get it, but I understand every man has his price. Israel has paid a horrible price and will continue. For Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. My question to you tonight is what's your price? What is your price? What is Jesus said? What would you give in exchange 
for your soul. Why are you going to hell? Why have you sold out? Why have you said no to Jesus? Every man, every woman who has rejected Christ has a price. Israel's paid and will pay. As you heard in this text, it makes you run to the life of Judas Iscariot, 30 pieces of silver for him. I want to draw a line in the sand tonight. Unashamedly, I want to announce to you and the world and the listening audience, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'm not for sale. Matter of fact, I've already been purchased by the shed blood of the darling Savior. I'm his servant, lock, stock, and barrel, not for sale. What about you? Well, tonight we're going to learn from the past mistakes of the nation of Israel because you and I will see that there are some unbearable consequences for rejecting the Lord and his holy word. The Bible teaches us in these first six verses that I read to you, there is a foretold, I know this is prophetic, but there was a foretold slaughter. We find the course of invasion. In these first six verses that I read to you, we'll look at them again. It says, open thy doors, O Lebanon, that the fire may devour thy cedars. How fir tree, for the cedar is fallen, because the mighty are spoiled. How, O ye oaks of Bashan, for the forest of the vintage is come down. There is a voice of the howling of the shepherds, for their glory is spoiled, a voice of the roaring of the young lions, for their pride of Jordan is spoiled. Thus saith the Lord my God, feed the flock of the slaughter, whose possessors slay them, hold themselves not guilty, and they sell them, saying, Blessed be the Lord, for I am rich, and their own shepherds pity them not. For I will pity no more the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord, but lo, I will deliver the man, every one to his neighbor's hand and in the hand of his king, and they shall smite the land, and out of their hand will I not deliver them. And so we see in this text the ministry of Zechariah is pronouncing to the nation of Israel that there was a coming slaughter. And the course of this vision is mentioned in this text. It's from the north, north from the hand of Rome, as well as the heart of God. Don't get me wrong when I say that. Hear me tonight when I tell you that it is rich, this text that I read you is rich in poetic imagery as Zechariah describes the coming invasion. The prophet tells them to open up their doors because the enemy is coming in like a fire. You've seen the analogies. God would use Rome as an instrument of judgment against the Jews and Jerusalem and I know there's a lot of personification that I've read to you twice. It is for illustration, is to remind them of the fury of this coming invasion. But the message is abundantly clear. It's simple. The shepherds would howl because their fields have been devastated with fire. The lions would roar out of the thick woods surrounding the Jordan River because it's been devastated to their living inhabitants. The fire has run them out and they will roar. That was predicted hundreds of years before and came to fruition, ladies and gentlemen, in 70 AD with pinpoint and infallible accuracy. If you don't respect the word of God, you should now. I mean, hundreds of years before the event, God said, you might as well open the door. Why? Because when God promises judgment, judgment's coming. Well, what in the world does that have with us tonight? 
Why should that make a difference to us? They didn't listen. Judgment came. 70 A.D. happened just like he said. I told you when we began this study of the minor prophets, the minor prophets have a twofold meaning, a twofold revelation, if you will. That which is immediate and that which is yet future. That's why it's prophetic. And if you don't learn from the mistakes of the past, you're destined to repeat them in the future. And so God said, if you ignore me, if you rebel against my word, you reject my Christ. There'll be a payday coming someday. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to announce to the world, we might as well open the door to judgment because we have. There's going to be some howling and there's going to be some crying when he comes again because we have rejected his word. We've rejected his will. We've rejected his son, wherein is the gift of salvation. There's a high cost for low living. We see that foretold slaughter, the course of invasion from the north, but the cause of invasion, and we're going to spell it out for you using the rest of these verses, chapters that we've already studied, but the Bible teaches us the reason for this invasion was sorry shepherds. We're never going to have the judgment of God without an explanation. Sorry shepherds. You remember last week's text? The previous chapter of the Lord reminds us that the lack of true spiritual leaders was one of the contributing factors of judgment upon the nation. I still think God hasn't changed his mind. We're living in a day and we're living in an age where I would like to say, where are the true spiritual leaders of our day? Where are they? Where are those who are trumpeting against the evils of the culture and standing strong on the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it just me or where are they? There used to be a rich commodity in our culture, in our world, of men who would stand strong against the culture and stand on the word of God for righteousness and truth sake. But where are they? We have churches closing by the dozens. We have men who will stand up in the pulpit and... Entertain. Who will compromise. Who will twist the pure doctrines of God's holy word to pacify the big, big, the big givers in the house. We're anemic. We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. We've opened wide the doors. For God's coming judgment. Leaders. A contributing factor to the judgment of God. John Maxwell says, as goes the priest, so goes the nation. Because everything rises and falls with leadership. And I say we too are destroying and suffering as a nation under the judgment of God. Because of a shortage of true spiritual leaders in the nation. Maybe, just maybe, this text should grip our heart tonight that we would feel an altar and say, God, would you raise us some spiritual leaders in this difficult day? When's the last time you prayed for that? Matter of fact, when's the last time we seen God call a man to preach? Y'all want to help me a little bit tonight? Well, let me ask you, when's the last time you asked God to raise us up some leaders? When's the last time you said, God, we need some young men that'll stand and pick up the torch and stand in the gap and proclaim the truth of the word of God without fear or compromise? 
Maybe this should be a good reminder to us to add to our prayer list. God, raise us up some spiritual leaders in this nation who could turn our nation back to God. Because as goes the priest, so goes the people. Well, that was the course of the, the cause of the invasion. Sorry shepherds. Spoiled saints. Spoiled saints, I'm going back over this letter and we think how it runs downhill. First the priests, now the people, the pride, the self-sufficiency. We've studied this, we've read through that, how it caused them to forget God and forsake his whole word. Why? Because they felt self-sufficient like they did not need God any longer. But how quick they would change their mind when the judgment of God came. Is it any different today? We're living in a host of people who cares nothing about the church, nothing about the word of God, nothing about the ministry of the church until the judgment of God visits their home. It's sad that we use God like a spare tire. It's sad that we only call on God in a time of 911, an extreme emergency. Another cause of the judgment with God was not only sorry shepherds, but spoiled saints. Why? Because we have lived long enough and we have learned that God is good. God is rich. God is merciful to all those who call unto him. And we're spoiled rotten. We only want to call him when we're in trouble. I hope you've lived long enough to realize you need him every hour. You need him every day. And by the way, when you start living like that, you learn it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. But that was the part of the problem. That was the cause of invasion. Another one was the suffering Savior. Now the prophetic glimpse of our text. Yet future, but this solemn announcement of the coming wrath upon the land of the people is simply because we can look forward in the foreknowledge of God. He understood, he knew of the tragedy of the capital crimes that would be committed there at Calvary's cross against the Son of God. The fire speaks of God's holiness and judgment. And it has been burning fiercely ever since the day that the nation of Israel cried out, we have no king but Caesar. Crucify him, crucify him, and let his blood be upon our hands and upon our children's hands. See, God in his foreknowledge knew. That's the way they would treat the prophets. And that's the way they would treat the last and final prophet, his darling son. And as a prophetic glimpse, we understand that's why judgment came then, but that's why even a greater judgment is coming today, in the days to come. You understand? Jesus said it plainly. He gave us parables about how the workers of the vineyard treated the, the servants of the master. And then he thought he'd just send his son. Surely they'd treat his son different. They killed him. They killed him. As they treated the prophets, so they treated the Son of God. Jesus was reminding them that their rejection from the word and the ministry of the prophet would lead to a greater rejection of the Son. And if you think all of these judgments throughout the word of God were bad with God dealing with his people in rejecting the ministry of the prophet, you've seen nothing yet to the coming judgment of Almighty God to a world who has rejected his darling Son who died for them on a cross of Calvary. That, that's what I'm trying to say tonight. 
Here's the cause of judgment. So when folks look at you, when you're talking about the coming day of judgment, that there's a payday coming by and by, and they said, well, what kind of God is that? What kind of God that would judge this world? Why? You have the answer. From every generation, they have rejected the word and the ministry and the will of God. The masses have rejected, 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 and then he sent his son. Surely they'll treat him different. But he came into his own. And his own received him not. Jesus suffered. He suffered because they would not receive him. And yet our God is a consuming fire. And when we forget God, he says in this text as I read to you, he will strengthen our enemies over us. You ever have to stop and evaluate? Well, it seems like the devil's crowd's just wearing you out and you just can't get any headway. That might not be the devil's doing. Just stop and think for a moment. God said, I'd strengthen your enemies' hands over you when you forget me, when you don't walk with me, when you don't obey me. Would he do that? That's what he said. He proved it to Joshua. Joshua said, you trust me and I'll fight every battle for you. Joshua, he told Joshua, he said, you trust me and I'll make each one of your men as strong as a thousand men and they'll fear you. Hey, we got story after story all throughout Canaan how God did it. He took an agricultural people that knew nothing except mixing mud and straw and making bricks and you'd have thought they were mighty warriors. No, they just had a mighty warrior. His name was God. But then they got a little sin in the camp and they lost 36 men at a little place called Ai that they should have walked through with their eyes closed. And God said, you don't trust me. You sin against me. I'll strengthen your enemies over you. Why? Because it always produces the results that God says so. When that happens, we stop. We evaluate. We cry out to God. We repent and return to God. You remember the book of Judges? It's a cycle over and over again. So he does that in order to lead us to repentance and reconciliation with holy God. But if you will not, if you will not repent and you will not turn, you will face him in judgment. As we said this morning, that's your choice. I would encourage you to choose wisely. And then in verse 7 through verse 14, we have a fatal sedition. The Bible says in verse 7, he said, I'll feed the flock of God, or I will feed the flock of slaughter, even you, O poor of the flock. And I took unto you, or I took unto me two staffs, one called beauty, the other called bands, and I fed the flock. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month, and my soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. And then said, I will not feed you, that that dieth, let it die. And that that is to be cut off, let it be cut off. And let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder that I might break my covenant, which I have made with all the people. And it was broken in that day. And so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter. A goodly price that I was prized out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them into the potter into the house of the Lord. And I cut asunder 
mine other staff, even bands, that I might break brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So I tell you this text tonight in verse 7 through 14 speaks of a fatal sedition. The Bible gives us here the truth that Israel would not believe the good shepherd. Again, this is talking about the coming ministry of the Messiah. Yet future at this time, the Bible teaches us how they ignored his work. Now this was act out and lived through the prophet. The prophet Zechariah was asked by the Spirit of the Lord to play the part of a good shepherd, of a true shepherd, one that feeds the flock, who cares for the flock, unlike those evil shepherds that invoke the judgment of God upon the nation. In other words, he's telling the prophet, show them the difference of what a true shepherd should be, what a good shepherd should be. So unlike them who just used their flock to get their own selfish gain, the prophet took two staves, one beauty, the other bands. It can be translated one grace and one union. If you're wondering what those are, one is a heavy club to defend, and the other is a crooked staff to recover and to retrieve a fallen sheep from an inaccessible place. And that is a beautiful picture and a true picture of the ministry of the good shepherd. Amen. Jeremiah said that we're to pray, that God would raise up true shepherds that would have his heart, that would have his mind to love and to lead and feed the flock of God. In the ministry of the good shepherd, there is the strong club to defend. You know, I, I don't want anybody to be my shepherd wouldn't defend me, wouldn't stand up for me, wouldn't help me in a time of need. And I, I wouldn't want a shepherd that wouldn't take a, a long crooked staff to reach out and to rescue me when I get in a tight spot. I get in a tough spot. Again, it's a beautiful picture of the ministry of the good shepherd. That's who he was. Show them the difference. And so if only they had have had ears to hear what the prophet said, they could have heard the words of our Lord who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The ministry of the Lord was to come to give you rest and peace. In God alone. But they ignored his work and they ignored his warning. He, Jesus, is the good shepherd, the true shepherd. He has the power and the authority to kill, to cut off, and to let go. Their rebellion, their rejection broke that covenant of grace. Let me say it again. Their rebellion and their rejection of Christ broke that covenant of grace. See, God's made an everlasting covenant. God longs for all who will come unto him and he will in no wise cast out. But you have the potential of breaking a covenant by never entering into a covenant, by rejecting the good shepherd, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one sin that'll damn your soul to hell for all of eternity. And that's rejecting the sweet offer of salvation and his darling son. There is no other sacrifice for sin. They ignored his warning. There was no more beauty. What does that mean? He broke, he broke the staff called beauty. 
And by the way, when you reject Christ as your Savior, that is a sin that mars and makes ugly before the living God. Can I tell you, there is nothing attractive, there is nothing beautiful about ignoring God's offer of grace for salvation. The grace of God is not to be trifled with. If you ignore and reject God's offer of salvation, you, ladies and gentlemen, you position yourself for the wrath of Almighty God. You too have been warned as they were warned. You were warned this morning, you're warned tonight, and there is yet a remnant. Poor of the flock. What does that mean? It's a pitiful, small number of the nation of Israel who will receive him as Savior and Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, on the grand scheme of things, it is just a poor, small, pitiful remnant compared to the masses of humanity that have said yes to Jesus. I'm thankful for every soul that has said yes to Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, the halls of hell have been extended. It's what the psalmist says. Every single day that we live, more people die without Christ because they've rejected His person. They've rejected His provisions of salvation. It's a tragic thing. Just a remnant. Just a remnant. The Bible teaches us also in this great text that they would not bless the good shepherd. Oh, they offered him something, but they offered a shameful blessing. It was a great insult to his pastoral labor, Zechariah, the prophet. As they weighed him in the balance, the prophet said unto him, I've showed you the difference between a sorry shepherd and a good shepherd. If you think good, give me my price. If not, forbear. And so they weighed for my price 30 pieces of of silver. Again, a great insult. 30 pieces of silver was the price of an injured slave. A slave that had been goaded by an ox, gored or hurt of some other malady they had. But that's how they valued the ministry of the good shepherd. That's a shameful blessing. Not worth not worth anything but throwing it to the potters. Sad, isn't it? As greedy Judas, Judas Iscariot, in that moment of high treason, he found that that was the price that he valued the Son of God and his ministry. 30 pieces of silver. I think if we could resurrect Judas from hell, he would tell you that's the greatest mistake of his life. Undervaluing the ministry of the Lord that was toward him. You know what he found out? Really didn't matter how much he got. He found out it was a little too hot to hold on to. He found out that it burnt so bad that he couldn't hold on to it. And ladies and gentlemen, the Bible said he cast it down. It was picking up and used to purchase the potter's field. Does anybody know what that was? used as a cemetery to bury strangers. We'd call it a pauper's cemetery. That's what he valued, the ministry of the good shepherd. Has anything changed today? I need you to help me tonight. 
Do the masses think much more of the Word of God and the ministry of God to their people? Most people laugh at the church. Most people have no desire for the church. The Word of God or the ministry of God that could save their soul from hell. They value it very, very little. If you don't believe me, just watch people's allegiance. Watch their service, what they call Christian service to the Lord. Really what they offered was a shameful blessing. The Bible says, you think this is coincidental? I certainly don't. I think it's a clear word of prophecy that the Lord was referring to how they would be treated, how the disciples would be treated later on, but more importantly, how Jesus would be treated by his own in just Judas Iscariot. Then they become a scattered brotherhood. The Bible said he broke their unity. <laughs> you, you just simply cannot, you cannot treat the shepherd of the flock that way and expect unity among the body. They sowed to the wind and they would reap a whirlwind. And that is why Israel today is scattered all over this globe. She did and God did. She carelessly sowed and God scattered her to the wind. And to this very day, she is still scattered. And then verses 15 through verse 17 is a clear picture of the Antichrist and the coming false shepherd. Verses 15 again says, And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instruments of a foolish shepherd. For lo, I'll raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that be cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that which is broken, nor feed that which is standeth still, but he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly destroyed. And so we have the false shepherd. We have in this text the mimicking of the foolish shepherd. We find a bit of drama here for the prophet was asked once again by the Spirit of God to live out a part. First of all, he portrayed the good shepherd. And that's what we're supposed to do as believers. We're supposed to portray to a lost and dying world what Jesus is, who he is and what he's like. We're to portray his ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our calling. That is our high calling as believers. We are to represent another king, another country, another code of ethics. We're to be Jesus to the lost and dying of this world. He showed them the difference. And now he's asked to portray a, a commission to act as a second parable to portray the coming of the false shepherd and what he would be like. He instructed the prophet to use foolish instruments, instruments of evil, and the Antichrist uses anything that is evil. Tell them that what his ministry is, it's a ministry of counterfeits. He would have a counterfeit staff. He would have a counterfeit rod, a, a counterfeit fellowship, a counterfeit flock. And so it is today. The Antichrist capitalizes on counterfeits. Whatever God offers, he has a wicked and an evil counteroffer. And by the way, there's a, even in our world today, there's a false church. It's a counterfeit. May have a steeple. May have a lot of people. But it's so far removed from the truth of the Word of God and the will of God that it's not a church. They have a false church, a false fellowship. They have a false gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ever in a place that twists and compromises the Word of God, don't just walk out, run out. 
He has a false gospel. He has a false doctrine. He has a false salvation. Again, whatever God offers, Satan has a wicked and evil counteroffer. And then there's deception. He asked him to describe that. I mean, how could this be successful when Israel had known of the ministry of the true shepherd? I mean, I tell you, that's easy. Because the nation had rejected Christ. They crucified him. But first they rejected the prophets and then they rejected Christ. They crucified him. And since that point for over 2,000 years, they've been denying his word and refusing his grace. And friends, let me tell you honest, if you say no to Jesus, you'll say yes to anything. You said, I don't understand why people would believe such heresy. I do. Because heresy and lies appeals to our twisted, sinful logic. Our heart is black. It is desperately wicked. You can't even believe it, trust it, or know it yourself, Jeremiah says. If it were not for Jesus, we'd go that way. I understand they're deceived by the devil and they will be deceived by the Antichrist. The ministry of the false shepherd is described to us. There is no love. What converted you to Jesus? Love. I've heard a lot of people talk about our preaching. Well, you just use scare tactics. You talk about the wrath and judgment of God and hell and people just come and make a commitment because they don't want to go to hell. Well, that's probably a good thing. I'd as soon scare you out of hell than have you giggling on the way. But that's not why people come. I knew about hell. And I won't lie, it's just like you. I was afraid of hell. There's nothing beautiful or alluring about hell. I didn't want to spend eternity in hell. But I'll tell you why I came. Because when the truth was announced to my soul, I recognized it. I, I recognized that, yeah, I've seen, I've blown it. I recognize there is a hell. The penalty and payment for my sin. I sat there broken. The preacher just kept on going and I got more and more uncomfortable because I knew that's my home. I knew that's what I deserved. And then I got fearful because, boy, I realized that could be at any moment, any time. People die at any age. But I'm glad the preacher kept presenting the truth because he told me that in while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And his love appealed to me. That even though I had blown it and been a gross and a habitual violator of God's law, if I would come into repentance, he would not turn me away. He would receive me. He would love me. He would forgive me and adopt me into the royal family of God. And I'm telling you, that's what's attractive to Jesus. He loves us. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. For God so loved the world. And there's no love like Jesus. That's what draws people unto himself. How you'll know the difference and the deception is real because in the false shepherd, there's no love. There's no love. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll confess to you that I'm not perfect. But I want to love you. God's given me a love for the people of God. Trust me, if he didn't, I'd have left a long time ago. It's his love that compels and I know you long for a shepherd who would emulate God's love the best of their ability. And I want to do that. I'm not perfect. I've failed in numerous accounts, but I, I want to love. Above all, I want you to know that I love you. Greatest compliment I've ever had in my life this week is a visitor is here. And last week I come by and just put my hand on her back and said, man, I'm so thankful that you're, you're coming. 
It's good to see you and your family. Hope you'll keep coming. That's all I said and walked off. The man called me this week and he said, I want to tell you something. Those were not just out of words. I felt love. That's all he said. I felt love like you genuinely cared. I had to stop right there and say, thank you, Lord, because that's you, not me. But that's what I want. That's what I want. Don't be deceived. We've got a lot of churches. I'm not being mean. I'm being honest. We've got a lot of leaders, a lot of so-called pastors. They're not loving. They're being decisive. They're deceiving. They're hurting the flock instead of loving the flock. Run. Don't walk out. Run. Don't be deceived. They're following the foolish shepherd. Got real quiet. I'm telling you the truth. If there's no love, run. Run. See, that's a picture of the false shepherd. No prophet, true prophet would ever do such. No true shepherd would ever do such. Only a foolish shepherd would not visit his flock, would not give aid to the wounded, give food to the starving. All he would do is consume their fat sheep for himself. Again, a picture, a vivid picture of the Antichrist who is the false shepherd. He has no love. There will be no communion. He will not visit the flock. He has no compassion upon the flock. He doesn't care for the flock. Even when she's cut off, she's sick, she's suffering, or she's hurting. He just doesn't care. And where there's no concern, if they're hungry, he will not feed them. Matter of fact, all he will do is feed himself by your substance. Matter of fact, he just soon rip you up and shreds and kill you. That's the mission. That's the objective of the devil himself. Notice the misery of the false shepherd, and we're going home. They have the woe of God upon their life. The Bible says that in verse 17. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. There's an overwhelming stress and a debilitating anxiety in this announcement with the anticipation of God's judgment upon that individual. It is upon all of those idle shepherds to who mistreat and mishandle the flock of God. You mark it down. You write it down. There is coming a day of judgment that awaits all false shepherds who will cause his flock to stumble or be led astray. They will not get by with that. That scares me to death. It should scare all of us to death. But it's true. Notice the wrath of God is a promise to destroy his power and his strength by slicing off the right arm or the arm with the sword it is a symbol of man's power and strength, but it also promised to destroy his intelligence. The eye is the symbol of perception, and the right eye speaks of dominance. And his keen intellect will be removed by blindness. It's talking about all those idle shepherds, but chiefly, but chiefly the Antichrist, the true false shepherd. He's no match for God. Listen, when your opponent is the omnipotent, Omniscient God, it is but a light thing. And it will become reality when Jesus returns in great power and glory. Now, I want you to picture the ministry of the Antichrist. I'm going to take a little more liberties here and say that, can you imagine in that day when men of the great culture, 
the greatest of cultures, are bowing down before this vile creature known as the Antichrist, the false shepherd. He is a counterfeit. He tries to set himself up as the Christ. You've read in Revelation 13 and following how he tries to emulate all that Jesus did with a wicked counterfeit. He is the Antichrist, the speech of the dragon, the old serpent of old. The devil himself will lull the Jews into a false sense of security and peace. He will rebuild their temple and he will desecrate it with his own presence. And then he will turn on them with unprecedented wrath and persecution. So we have this text to show us a vivid picture and a difference between the terrible shepherd, as I've labeled him, and the true shepherd. One will come from the earth, but the other, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, he will come from heaven. You've seen the ministry of both tonight. You know their desire for you. Let us recap very quickly. God, no matter how small, how impoverished, how poor you are, God wants to feed you. God wants to lead you. God wants to protect you and take you into his flock. The terrible shepherd, he don't care if you're hurting. He don't care if you're hungry. He will not visit you. He will not feed you. Matter of fact, he wants to use you. He will tear you up and eat you up and spit you out. It's pretty clear. You knew this anyway. I'm glad he told us again. Why did he tell us this? Because the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Who do you desire to shepherd your soul? It's your choice. The true shepherd or the terrible shepherd? Who will become your shepherd? I think I should say it this way. You're already in one flock or the other. Who have you given care and allegiance to your soul? Well, that's a good question. I remember some years ago, and I'm hurrying, but I remember some years ago I mentioned in a revival that you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. In the sermon, I don't remember exactly the context, but I made that statement, I made that statement. And when I was leaving the revival, there was a woman that was standing at the back. After a while, you learn the signs. When they have their hands on their hip and they're patting their foot, you probably need to go out the side door. But she didn't like that. And she's come to me and she said, Sir, I know that I'm not a Christian. So you can't label me as a child of God. But in no way, shape, form, or fashion am I a child of the devil. I said, yes, ma'am, you are. I said, there's only us and them. The Bible's very explicit. You're either a child of God or you're the child of the devil. I said, the good news is you can swap sides. The good news is God takes all those who come unto him. You realize and recognize I've been living my life for the wrong world. I've been living my life for the wrong shepherd. I need to swap sides. Somebody should get excited tonight because God allows you turns. God allows you to leave a terrible flock and come to the good flock. You've seen the difference. I think most people walk into it deceived and blinded just like that lady. 
But now that you know the difference, choose wisely. I'm excited on one other note, and I'm going to pray. I like it when Sunday morning comes together with Sunday night. The wrath of God is true, but so is the love of God. Wherein there is righteousness, choose Jesus. Choose him today before it's everlasting too late. Father, thank you for the privilege and the honor of presenting who you are to the congregation. Father, I'm thankful that through the eye of the Holy Spirit, through the leadership of the Spirit of God, you've helped us to see who you are. We don't place a measly offering upon the ministry of God towards us. You opened my eyes and you showed me how valuable you are. And I'm glad I can stand with the ranks of the redeemed and say, you can have this world, just give me Jesus. Lord, tonight, would you allow someone to swap sides? God, would you allow someone to recognize they've been deceived and they've been living their life for the devil and they need to give their life to Christ? Lord, would you allow it tonight that the bells of heaven be rung because someone would pray to receive you as Savior? Oh, God, grant it tonight and we'll give you praise. We ask all of it in Jesus' strong name. Amen.